0: Diverse voices, unique sound,
1: not the same old thing, different,
0: different. This is NOCO FM. You're listening to episode 29 of the Boys Built Better podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to your kids about hard things. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me. We have got a brand new episode for you today. If you've been listening to the show often, you know that I took the summer off or most of the summer off to be with my kids. Well, when you listen to this episode, they are officially all back in school and I am back to creating some new content. So today we are talking about how to have tough conversations with your kids and this recording is actually a recording of a live talk that I did with Corey Wilford, who's been on the show before she did talking to your kids about sex, which I replayed earlier this summer with a little bit of additional commentary. It's one of my favorite shows. I think it was super informational, great for parents of all ages to sort of understand how to start conversing with your kids about sex or other topics that make you feel uncomfortable from a very young age. And so I highly recommend that episode if you haven't listened to it. And it's also great for boys, parents of boys and girls. I think it's relevant. There's some content in that episode that is specific, but very little that's just specific to boys. And the same with this episode as well. We're talking about how to have tough conversations with your kids, um, kids of all ages, how to talk to them. And it's pertinent to both parents of boys and girls. And um, this talk took place at a shop in Fort Collins called Heyday. So, a shout out to Jen, who owns Heyday. Thanks for having us. Um, I think it was a great conversation. It went on a really long time. So, this is part one of what will be two episodes of having tough conversations with your kids.
1: Welcome to Heyday Grows, you guys. We're super excited to have Jessica Crow and Corey Wilford here tonight, um, two experts on tough conversations. And um, I thought I, well, Jessica suggested that I share my story that Ryan and I experienced this weekend about how we kind of talk to our kids about the changes that are upon them. And, um, so I talked to my friend Well, I knew this was this Heyday growth specifically was coming and it was (laughs) (laughs) on Friday and I'm like, okay, so I'm hosting this event. I've got to, I've got to, we've got to make this happen. And I talked to my friend Jade and she was like, you haven't talked to Emery about sex. And I'm like, no. She's like, you have to do that tonight. (laughs) So I was working in Denver that day and all day I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. I'm like, I've got to come home and we've got to to have this conversation. So I come home and I'm like, Ryan, like in 20 minutes, (laughs) we're talking to the kids. And he's, and I'm like, I've got a game plan and all this stuff. And, and, and so we decided we had we were folding laundry and we decided we're just going to go into the bedroom where all the laundry is we'll do all the laundry and we'll have the conversation and it's just like such so not a big deal like this is just easy peasy we're going to make it not a big deal for the kids um jessica had shared a lot of her experience at our book club and kirsten had shared things and so I'm like, we're just going to do this. And Ryan's like, well, you, you have the game plan. Just like go. I said, I said, I just need when I when I um, go blank, I just need for you to step in and <laughs> take over, you know. And um, so we had we had at the beginning of the summer, like we've always said, like, you're going to go through puberty. Actually, I feel like Luke kind of started that conversation. It was like, um, I can't wait till I go through puberty, not even knowing what it meant. Like I'm going to get chest hair and you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and so we had used the word puberty often in the house, but that was about as far as it went. And so earlier, like right when school got out, we were like, you know, this is the summer we're going to have to talk about puberty. And I I was like, I'm just going to lay the groundwork for that, you know, so that they know what's coming. They really don't know what's coming, but at least they know we're, we're going to talk about things that we haven't necessarily talked about yet. So we brought every, brought everyone in and we're like, okay, now's the time we're going to, we're going to talk about puberty. And these are changes that are going to happen to you guys. And this is not a big deal. Um, and we were like, penis and vagina It's it's just they're words that aren't even a big deal. Like, can everybody say penis and vagina? <laughs> Emery's like, no. <laughs> and Luke was being so strong and so just like stoic. Like, I've got this. This is not a big deal. Um, and so they both, they both said it. And um, we're like, you know, you guys are both gonna, we wanted to, we, we wanted to talk to them together because I want them to be able to talk to each other when they, want to talk to each other not talk to us you know we wanted to make it open so that's kind of why we did it all together and plus we knew if we told Luke Emery's two years younger it, it it's just we just needed to like get it all out there so my goal was to talk about puberty with boy and girl and then what sex was and then kind of that was that was probably going to be enough for one night <laughs> and then we ended it with um ice cream like a- <laughs> ice cream, social kind of a thing (laughs) and wine. (laughs) And, um, and so Emery was like, well, how do you know when you're going through puberty? And we're like, well, let us tell you, you know, let's segue into that. And so we went into, you know, girls are going to have a period and boys are, you're going to start getting chest hair and your voice is going to deepen and you're going to have erections and all these things, you know? And so we got that covered and then we wanted to talk about, I was like, okay, the only other goal I have for tonight is to, to, I asked my friend Jade, I said, do I have to say like exactly what sex is? And she was like, yes, you do. And Jessica had told me the statistic that if the more you talk about it, the more you share what the terms are, then the less likely they are to engage at a young age and so I'm like okay we've just we just have to okay I've said do I have to ha- Do I have to physically tell them, like actually tell them what happens and she's like yes you do and so <laughs> we did it and um by the end of the conversation Luke was white as a ghost and Emery was asking if we could stop talking about it <laughs> so anyway we 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 covered it we we reached our goal and during our ice cream time we said this is just the beginning of these conversations we are going to continue having these conversations and i'm going to get some tips on friday <laughs> or thursday and we're going to know kind of how to how to continue having these conversations so i'm going to let you guys take over <laughs> Thank you for telling your story,
0: (laughs) even though you didn't want to. Um, For those, I know a lot of you, but for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jessica Crow. I host a podcast called Boys Built Better about raising boys,
2: and I have got Corey Wilford here. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, Jessica and I are friends, so that's how we know each (laughs) other. Um, I've worked for the Larimer County Department of Health and Environment uh, for about 19 years. Uh, I worked for most of those years as a health educator and uh, working in our reproductive health program. So my job was primarily to do sex education um, in schools. So I've talked with probably about 30,000 teens and parents um, and little kids over all those years. And I've helped the Poudre School District write uh, curriculum, uh, their human growth and development. We just actually, the school board just approved uh, last month. So they have a new curriculum on that. And then the seventh and 10th grade program as well. So now I do more communications for our whole department. So everything from, you know, there's rabid animals out there. (laughs) We've got, you know, restaurant inspections um, and still the, community health stuff so still uh, really involved with our maternal and child health programs and uh, sexuality education stuff um, so that's where my expertise if you will is um, and I have a daughter who is 15 she just started driving so that's <laughs> we're, that's, that's a whole new era and then I have a son who's 12 um, so also a
0: parent <laughs> And I, Corey and I actually have an episode where yeah. I interviewed her about um, talking to your kids about sex. And I think that that is sort of this idea that maybe that's one of the toughest conversations that you might have to have with your child. But I think that there's a lot of tough, I mean, so we are, the, the topic is for tough conversations. And so I think that that, that idea that maybe if talking to your kids about sex is that, thing that makes you squirm as a parent Um, but there might be but maybe not like Corey was saying she's talked about sex to so many kids that that is not (laughs) something that makes her squirm with her kids right but it might it still doesn't but I think it's just about Um, Jen called us the expert. I certainly, I think Corey's the expert,
2: but I don't think Corey would say she's an expert. Well, you're the expert of your own kids. I mean, that's such an awesome story. So I think... No, it's so great. And your kids will remember that. They might not remember every little little detail that you said, but they're going to remember that, you know, they felt loved and we got ice cream and my parents thought this was so important that they stumbled and it was awkward, you know, but they're going to remember kind of that, you know, the just the feeling that they had of like, this is something important. My parents sat us down. It was really weird. But they're going to remember that feeling of of being cared for and knowing that this is important and that it matters to you. And so it should matter to them. So that in in and of itself is something that will keep them asking questions, you know, and it might not be for a year. Um, but even for them to say, okay, stop talking, tells me that you've got great communication already, you know, and, and that's a lot of, of what all of this is is just communicating effectively and you know, you, you spoke from your heart and you made it a priority and you, you know, you got on board together and you had a goal. I mean, all of those are really just awesome communication skills. And you brought that to this, you know, to this thing with your kids. So it's I mean, there's never I would never say there's like a wrong way to do it. Like that was perfect for you guys. And you laid this groundwork and that's what made sense for you. And it sounds like that's how you would authentically engage in conversations with your kids on any topic and so you know they're probably like that was so weird <laughs> but it was so awesome my parents are so cool you know uh, there's a part of them uh, that's doing that and they'll probably will never say that but you know maybe in 20 years they'll be like oh we remember you know right, whoa, well, they sat us down and it was really weird but you know but it was kind of cool <laughs> yeah 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 it's weird it's weird when you're little to to kind of be like oh okay I had no idea (laughs) now I don't want to (laughs) know so I think
0: that I am going to ask Corey some questions because I know that she's got great information and she's given it to me before but before I do I think that having tough conversations about with your kids is about setting that intention of, so, for me personally, with my kids, somewhere along the line, I decided that I want my kids to come to me with anything, no judgments. And who knows where that's going to lead me as they get older, right? We can get in some sticky situations, but that was sort of my intention with conversations that I've had with my kids. And it, it goes along with conversations that we have had about sex or what's going to happen with your body, which I think we're going to get into, but then also translating to tough things. Like my son had, um, a, a child above in a grade level above him pass away under circumstances that were unclear. And I decided to be the person to tell my son that he didn't know about it. It was something that I had heard, um, a rumor about, and I thought, okay, you know, a lot of these tough conversations, you can be the person that talks to your child about it or Uh, One of their peers can be the person that talks to their child about it, but somebody is going to tell your child about sex, about suicide, about drugs, right? Somebody's going to talk to them about it. And who do you want that to be? And so I don't necessarily feel like I'm an expert, but my intention is that I want my kids to feel comfortable to come tell me whatever it is, whether or not it's easy, whether or not it's hard, whether or not it makes us both uncomfortable, that it's going to be okay. And you can trust me and I'm not going to judge you or make you feel guilty for a bad decision or, or some situation that you've found yourself in. And Jen and I had talked in um, the video that we did a couple of days ago about a question of how, what age level is this for? And I think that what I have discovered now as a parent of a middle schooler is that I think a lot of these tough conversations sort of happen as kids get older, but I think as parents we lay the groundwork when our children are very young. So, and, and I'm going to, we'll talk about sort of how you can approach some of these like body things with your child, but, um, The way you talk to your child from the day that they're born and things that, you know, that are shameful or not shameful or or I'm going to give you the actual facts and respect that, even if it makes me uncomfortable. I think that you can lay the groundwork early if you have young children and you think, well, this isn't really for me. It is because it's about um, being open and honest with your kids and then that relationship um, kind of growing To a point where your kids will come talk to you about tough things or things that are hard or have a question. So I just to reiterate, I'm not an expert, but I have this intention and I am it's one of the reasons why I started the show was like this is my goal is to be open and honest with my kids and move forward in a way that they I want them to be able to come to me. So with that, um, I think it's really important, of <laughs> course, uh, I think it's important. Some, uh, so Corey and I have talked before and it's probably one of the interviews where I felt like I learned the most stuff. Like I just didn't know, I don't think as parents now, we knew, we know a lot about the research behind the, the, how you should have these conversations or why you should have these conversations. So I have a question. I'll start, I'm going to start, um, interrogating Corey. Okay. Ah. Uh, I think one of the things that's fascinating that's kind of new, and I'm sure you can tell us the dates, is some of the research behind specifically, um, if we're talking about talking to your kids about sex, um, some of the research around the best ways or things that are important.
2: Sure. Um, a lot of what I know about research is on school-based sex education, but certainly um, there's been a lot of surveying of, of kids Um You know, so for example, a popular survey that was done um, asking kids who do you most want to? hear from? Who do you most, who's most influential to you? And a lot of us as parents think, oh, it's their friends, right? Everything I say is just going to get usurped (laughs) by what their friends tell them. And kids over and over um, in surveys will say, my parents, I want to hear what my parents think. I want to hear what they know. And I want to, um, you know, hear their opinions on things. And that's what they really value most. So even as kids, you know, roll their eyes at you when you say something they really are listening and you're who they want to hear it from so rest assured that that they do and they do listen again even when they're staring out the window they're listening and they're taking it in um, and like Jessica said over over time those things become you know who they are in um, the way that they communicate and the way that they interact with the world and so one of the things I was thinking when you said um, you want to be there, you want to be able to answer the questions. I always say, I want to help you navigate that. Um, And I think that kids get that where you're on their side, you know, and that's something that again, even, you know, from research, we know that kids really value in their relationships with parents or with, um, trusted adults. You had mentioned earlier, um, that is true that kids who get a lot of information about sex, about puberty, about their bodies, about relationships will delay their first initiation of sex longer than kids who don't have good information so a lot of parents will be like oh they're i want to keep them innocent i want i don't want them to know this they're so little and that is so valid right you think it's just these are little tiny people who shouldn't have to deal with adult things but there are age-appropriate ways to talk with kids about this and parents know best what's going to be age-appropriate for their child um As the mother of a daughter and a son, I, they were definitely ready for different information at at different times. Um, there are, there are definitely like guidelines out there from experts, um, that will say, you know, at, at, age two, talk about these things at age five. Um, another thing you mentioned, I'm just like keeping all these things in my head. Um, Was that it it is important to start early and a lot of times parents of really little kids will think um, or say, you know, they're too little, I'll wait and then we're saying no, start early. But then there's the other thing where parents are like, oh, my kid's 10. I haven't had this conversation. I'm too late. Right. So we beat ourselves up (laughs) for everything. It's. And I always say it's like face cream. It's never too early, and it's never too late um, to start using that, you know, that cream. So, um, you know, whenever you start the conversation is is when it's right. And there, there certainly are for the, you know, brand new parent who's going to read up and be the best, you know, sex educator for their kids. They they can, you know, start doing it at birth and and doing all the things that are suggested. But in reality, it comes in, you know. Short short waves it comes at different times for kids and it comes a lot of times when it's just organic and it makes sense this made sense you know for you guys to be like okay like we got to do it because we have this presentation at the store and if we haven't done it then it's not legit right um so that's what worked for you and and your lives and it you know that was perfect
0: Can you tell everybody? Because I don't know. I know some of you. I don't know all of you. (laughs) um, If you, if you. Have a child who's younger, what does that look like? Like, if you're under five, what are you talking to your kids about?
2: Yeah. Um, Kids under five are really curious. Um, Babies are definitely born as sexual beings. They can feel, you know, sensations that feel good, um, that would feel good to an older adult as well. Babies get uh, erections and um, their genitals feel good when they touch them. Um, Little kids experience sensation um, with hugs and with cuddling and that's really their first introduction to sensation and to intimacy right so they're learning about sex and they're learning about touch and they're learning about all these things really from the moment that they're born right they know what what good touch is they know um, you know it, it hurts when their brother pulls on their leg you know <laughs> when they they learn about touch and intimacy at, at home really um, so for, for little ones um really little even diapering you know like oh here's your body here's your penis (laughs) you know they don't even understand the words but it's that um, feeling and just kind of that interaction of like this is fine. This is something good about you. There's no shame there. Um, As kids get bigger and they can talk and they're in the bathtub naming their body parts. This is, you know, your penis. Would you like me to wash your penis or do you want to wash your penis? Right. So not only are we teaching body parts, but we're starting to teach that early body autonomy that your body is yours and you are the person who gives permission for other people to touch it. Um, and that's a really important aspect of, of sexuality education really for kids is learning to give and to get consent. And when a, when a child's really small like that, that's what consent looks like. you know do you want me to um, you know put lotion on your back? Is, does this you know is this enough pressure in this little back massage? Um, and asking them those questions is really important so that they're learning, body autonomy and that their body belongs to them and that they don't touch other bodies um, and no one touches theirs. And so a lot of it when they're really little is that safety piece. Um, Little kids are also really curious. Um, So they are really curious about where babies come from. Um, When my kids were little, I pointed out every pregnant woman, right? Because I was going to be the best sex educator. I was just like, look, a pregnant lady. What do you think of that? And they were like, she's pregnant. Like, whatever. You know, they're, they're too little. But as they got older, they did start to say... Well, how did that baby get in there? How long is it going to be in there? Is it going to be a boy or a girl, right? So you lay these weird foundational things <laughs> and, uh, you know, later they will continue to ask questions. So there's no reason to sit down with a three-year-old and say, this is what sex is and penis and vagina. And, and they're going to be like, what? You're right. It's not appropriate. Um, I've run into a lot in my career when we talk about teaching appropriate sex education over the lifespan and starting at an early age, there's people who think that we're teaching, you know, five-year-olds how to put on condoms or we're talking about HIV and we're talking, which is just not, what it is. (laughs) So there are appropriate ages where those things start to get talked about. Um, In the fifth grade curriculum for PSD, that was a big conversation of what do we actually say about intercourse, right? If we're talking about fetal development, we're talking about childbirth, and we're talking about, um, you know, what it it takes to be a responsible parent, we're going to have to talk about (laughs) sex, right? And teachers didn't know what they should say right and parents oftentimes don't know what to say so we were able to write in a really nice description probably similar to what you said about what sexual intercourse is and totally appropriate for that age and kids get it and they're like oh that's kind of what I thought but (laughs) I really didn't know some of them are like what um so yeah yeah Well, and that's what
0: I think is so interesting about this whole topic. And Jen, you were, you know, I know that your kids were a little bit uncomfortable uh, or surprised by some of the conversation, but I distinctly remember having my first conversation with my oldest son about sex and he was in third grade. And I, I was very surprised by the conversation. It happened when we were driving to soccer practice and he was filling out a form for some reason and it said on the form, it said sex. And he said, mom, this says sex. And I said, I know it means, are you a boy or a girl? He goes, I know, but it says sex. And I thought, like, I was just driving in the car thinking, holy moly, (laughs) how does my third grader, I had no idea that my third grader knew about this. And then that was where, and this is this whole tough conversation. I almost feel like this is there's no, this is not research based. So don't, don't. I feel like the more it makes you squirm on the inside, probably the more you should be talking with your child about it, right? Like if I'm totally research based. (laughs) Yeah,
2: is it? I I don't
0: know. I just feel like I've had so many conversations about things where I felt like totally unsure and it was making me uncomfortable, but I. I didn't, it goes along with this intention of mine to be the person that they're gonna to come to, which often means I have to plod through conversations that are making me nervous or I don't I don't know, but I still want to be that person, so I do it anyway. Um, so I remember driving thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I am not prepared for this, you know? And I had this conversation with my third grader and I said, yeah, it says sex. Do you know what sex is? And he didn't wanna answer that part. And I said, okay, you know, he was sort of like, ignoring me. And I said, do you know why people have sex? And, and he said, because it feels good. I which was surprising to me because I thought, and I, I said, you're right. It does. It does. That is also how babies are made. (laughs) And he sort of was like,
1: what? (laughs) Like
0: his mind was blown. And I, you know, and that, and then I think he probably said, and I'm, I'm done now. I've stopped. That's enough talking, but that, I don't know. That's the whole thing that keeps coming back to me is that this kid was in third grade and this, um, on a totally related note, this is the same child who, um, now has an Instagram account and he's in sixth grade. So I feel like they get older and the conversations get tougher. And that's why just being open and honest from the get go is important, um, so I was surprised that he knew about sex in third grade. And my husband went up to talk to my son about a post that he put on Instagram. And this was like two weeks ago. And he got the number at Taco John's. He got the number 69. And he posted a joke about it on Instagram. So there's a whole bunch of things happening for us as parents here. Like, okay, first of all, this is not who you are at social media. Your aunt has access to your account on social media. And I think, although she's pretty uh, wild and free, so she probably is like, oh, cool. Uh, You know, like, but your grandmother might see this on social media. So this is not the type of content, which is like a whole nother area of tough conversations, who you are on social media. And that was, I didn't anticipate that when I gave my son permission to create an Instagram account, we didn't sit down and say, okay, hey, don't post 69 jokes because that's inappropriate, right? Like you sort of
2: now he knows yeah
0: now he knows, and but he and my husband went up he is great at tough conversations he went up and had a conversation my son took it down and understood that going forward but the other thing that I realized which is terrifying again is that my sixth grader knows enough about what 69 is to make a joke about it so I just feel like if if You may be afraid to have a conversation with your child, but their peers are not. And that is always the most important. That is always what's running through my head is we're going to I'm going to go ahead and explain this to you or or now if I know that information, well, let's walk that back and let's I'm going to need you to explain to me what you know. And if that is not true, I'm going to correct you so that you're then... I'm
2: going to help you navigate this. I'm going to help you navigate
0: this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit, I guess it's a little younger, but maybe not, because I think it's important information too about um, how well informed your child is versus the likelihood that they may be perpetrated against. And I think that that might be something to mention. Okay. In so terms of knowing the names of their body yes. parts, yeah, and, and how that, the benefits of that, maybe.
2: Yeah. Um. So there has been some research done around um, people in prison. Um, this was actually a an, an old article that was out in the Rocky Mountain News, which was a Denver newspaper decades ago, um, and. A reporter had talked with inmates who had perpetrated um, against children, and one of the themes that the reporter pulled out was that um, these perpetrators chose their victims based on how likely they thought it would be that the child would go to an adult. And so children who have an awareness of their body, who have that body autonomy, who can say, you're not allowed to touch me there, right? And because they've learned that that's just a normal part of who they are, are much less likely to be perpetrated against, um, because it's more difficult, right? Um, when, a when a perpetrator knows that a child has a good, trusting, open relationship with their parent, um, or with other adults there, that's not the, the child that they want to, um commit a crime against and so that is really valuable information again and that's you know it's it's sad um, to think about that and it's just um horrifying but when kids can say if they have been perpetrated against when they can say this person touched my vulva this person touched my breast this person put their hand on my penis it's much more likely that that person will be um, that the child will be believed and that, um, you know, the, the perpetrator will be in trouble um, for those specific things. So it is it's really important. The names of parts and that body autonomy is super important to teach from the time they're little. And this is something we've talked about, too, is just um, we spend a lot of time in our culture, uh, teaching girls how not to be perpetrated against, but we're just beginning to teach boys how not to be perpetrators. And that's another conversation that really needs to start at home. Um, Again, with this is how you give and get consent. Um, Even when kids are little, and you you know you have you do the tickling game, and you know aunt comes over and ah oh, give me a hug, right? Those are boundaries that we need to teach our kids to be able to to draw, right? We probably all remember being like ah by an uncle or an aunt where you're like ah you know I don't I don't like hugs, right? But you do it because you're supposed to, and that is not what we want our kids growing up thinking that someone's going to touch me. I I need to give in. I need to, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is being nice. Um, And so we need to, you know, continue teaching our, our kids those things.
0: Here's something you might not know. Noco FM is also a podcast network producing one of a kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So, if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. Too, and I will just as an example um, of what that looks like because I've done a couple episodes on consent and and I've had some of those beginning conversations with my boys because I think that that is important. But if you don't know what that means, like how you disseminate that, mm-hmm. um, my oldest was walking around in pajama pants, and I have you know, we'll just, I'm used to smack him in the butt. <laughs> and he was laying on the sofa and I was like walking over ready to smack him in the butt. And I stopped myself cause he is 12. Right. And, and I said, um, I just thought about smacking you in the butt. <laughs> is that okay with you? No. <laughs> and he's looked at me and he said, no. And I said, okay, I won't do it. And I walked away and that was it. Then he turned to me and he said, what is happening? (laughs) What is happening right now? I don't understand why you just asked me that. But I don't know. I feel like that is an example of, and I think it, you know, my, my six year old wouldn't care. Right. But somehow it changes where my 12 year old. Should I shouldn't just smack him in the butt. Like he, that might make him uncomfortable, but he isn't going to say that to me because I'm his mom. And he's used, you know what I mean? Like we've had this relationship, but I don't, I should not have control over my 12-year-old's body in that way. And I
2: think teaching kids consent feels really weird. I think it feels like that and where everything is like. Do you mind if I, you know, put my shoulder on you? Okay, we have to squeeze into the back seat of the car. Are you, like, I know we're kind of close. Are you okay with that? Um, it feels really weird to us because we don't talk about those kind of boundaries. We never made them ourselves. Our parents didn't teach us like, Oh, when you're out on a date, you know, you might want to kiss this person, but this is how you make sure they want to kiss you back. Right. We never learn those things. So it feels really weird to ask every time you want to, you know, initiate contact or initiate touch or any kind of intimacy. Um, it is, it's, it's a really weird thing. So that's, that sounds right. (laughs) But it, that it 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 felt like over the top, like, you don't have to ask that or, you know, you're just going to do it. It. Um, but that was a really important moment for him to be like, huh? If, I didn't I, want that. And I she asked, so. that and that was plan. cool. Yeah. my
0: plan was like, oh, this is a good moment for it. And <laughs> in, and my hope was that I was not only teaching him his own bodily autonomy. Like, no, I don't want you to smack mm-hmm. my butt. But then that, that, that is teaching. That's just teaching bodily autonomy. Yep. Like that, that he is teaching in him control. to ask, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. and to ask others and or to be respectful of that
2: in the future. That's cool. I also wanted to point out earlier, you said when you were driving in the car, off topic, just bringing it back around, uh, you're in the car and he said, look, this says sex. So it was a really good example of continuing the conversation and not shutting it down. And I think it's really easy for um, us as parents to go, look over there, there's geese, right? And then by not saying something, it's also teaching something, right? It would have told him or taught him, that's not even okay to say that word. Um, and so that was a really good example of like, maybe it got weird and you know, but, but now he knows it's okay to say sex. And if I bring it up, we're going to have a honest, good conversation about this. Um, and so that's really important because in the things we don't say, those are also lessons and those are also ways that we communicate. So I and you just had said, wanted to point that Yeah, out.
0: you had mm-hmm. said that to me before, which I then mm-hmm. said to Jen, but your words, and I'm going to steal them for you, but they were really good, was kids will talk to you unless they've learned that they can't, Yep. which yep. is that. Did I say that? You did. You know, so good. Awesome. Awesome. So good. <laughs> and I think that that is those moments. But And also, it doesn't mean that if you don't know the information or you're not sure that you can't say right. I'm not sure. I'm going to find that out and I'm going to get back to you. Mm-hmm. But it is then getting back to them.
2: Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah that's a great question. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I say that to my kids a lot. I have no idea about that. Um, and sometimes I'll ask them, you know, say I've, I heard that kids are eating tide pods, you know, and they'll be like, what, you know, and I'll be like, okay, I thought you would think that was not a good thing, you know, but it. it's like, are kids really talking about this? And it's, it's cool because if they are, they get information from me. Like, yeah, Don't, I don't know if kids are talking about it or not, but that's not okay. And it's not norm. They'll be like, that's so stupid, you know? So, but it also reassures me in those moments that, like, okay, he has heard about this. They're not doing it. You know, it's they know uh, my stance. They know my stance. (laughs) I'm not, I've, I've, you know, yeah. So I'm not thinking about it all day. Like, are they going to be the ones to eat Tide Pods? Please don't. We had the conversation. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then I think that just that that idea of being open and honest then kind of continues to grow as your children get older. Mm-hmm. Like I, we have had Frank conversations with my child about suicide and with my understanding that me talking to my son or sons about somebody taking their own life isn't going to inspire them to take their own, right? But it's going to inform them about what happened. We might have a conversation about mental illness around that. Or my oldest was diagnosed with depression last year. He was diagnosed as moderately depressed. He's gone to therapy, he doesn't feel that way anymore. But I can have a conversation with him now of remember when you felt so sad? And that was really hard. And now how you feel better, you know, and there's other people that feel so sad because when we were in the doctor getting diagnosed, the doctor asked him questions about whether or not he had thought about taking his own life. You know, so I feel like you take the information about being open and honest and that kids respond better to that. And you kind of expand on it when it comes to things that are just hard, like suicide or drugs. Or a great example is why school was canceled a month ago, because down in Denver, right, there was a there was a woman who was threatening schools. And that was another one of those moments that I had. of okay, who am I going to be in this moment as a parent? Right. Because schools can because there's a threat to schools and I was looking at websites how to talk to your child Mm -hmm. about this right like you need to tell them the truth you don't want to turn on news and make a big deal about it but that was another one of those moments like they're gonna everybody's off Mm -hmm. right we're all gonna be hanging around and somebody else (laughs) is going to tell my kids what is happening unless I'm the first person to do it so I often will find myself in really difficult conversations with my kids knowing that I want I want to say it. I want to say this to you. So I'm going to have a go (laughs) at saying it first. And it's probably not always right. um, But I will always talk to them, even if I'm dying inside. (laughs) Right? And then I think there's another piece... um, I think the best examples of it are maybe around some of the sexual stuff. Like we had a conversation about how you might handle a boy with wet dreams. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think um, which I'd love for you to explain that. But I think that a piece, uh, a piece of about like how to handle it. (laughs) You don't need to tell everybody about wet dreams. (laughs) Um, But I think a a huge piece of this is removing guilt. Mm -hmm. That and shame so that your kids should be able to come to you with something embarrassing. Like maybe they did something really dumb at school or they got called to the principal and they should know that they could come to you and talk to you about it. And even if you disagree with what's happening that they're the guilt and the shame are going to be gone. I think that that is a huge piece of keeping that. So
2: yeah. I think a lot of it is anticipating sort of the next stage of development, anticipating that someone is going to tell them that, you know, there's this, this woman who's threatening schools, um, is, is really important and anticipating like, you know, okay, my child's starting to go through puberty. They're a boy. They might have wet dreams. This is what I'm going to tell them. Right. And so anticipating that stage of development and that that might be something that happens ahead of time helps it be less weird for them and helps remove some of that shame So, since you asked me to say <laughs> um, so yeah I mean a conversation with a, a little boy who's um, maybe starting to go through or is is going through puberty is to say you know this is sometimes what happens it's you know a boy gets erections it's their body sort of you know trying out ejaculating or semen or fluid comes out of the penis it happens uh, at night sometimes when you're, when you're dreaming or when you're sleeping, you might wake up, the sheets are wet and really all you need to do if that happens is just take your sheets off, put them in the wash. I won't ask any questions. Um, and I think that that's a really great way to let them know that this is what you do. If that happens, you're not going to leave your sheets on the bed, right? Cause, um, boys are kind of gross enough. No, just kidding. Um, at that age. <laughs> um, but you know, to give them an action to take, so they don't need to hide. They don't need to leave their sheets on their bed for the next three weeks until you take them off, and there's no evidence. Well, um, you know, but to give them kind of an action step, anticipating that that's something that's going to happen, um, and and it gives them also the confidence that they can take care of themselves um, and in those situations. Normal, this and is normal. Make me feel bad or yep. and I'm not going to think it's weird. So you don't have to think it's weird, and we'll go from there. Yes. Are we get okay? So we're
1: getting to that age. Friends, <laughs> um, in the room. Um, what are the like? Do I have a? Window of time, so conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, because I've mean, already like rocked his world. On Saturday,
0: so like when he gets back, you can to take a break. Yeah. Here, do I
2: need to have for the I sake,
0: enough. for the sake, for the sake of audio, I've been told by Chris we can cut this. I've been told I have to repeat the question. So. The question was, Corey, is there a window of time that these conversations specifically, perhaps Wet Dreams, needs to happen? Where they must happen?
1: Or do I get a warning? Like, don't <laughs> <the noise>? A <laughs> chest hair appears. <laughs>
2: I think we talked about this, too. So what I always tell kids, and it's it's a great way to think about it, is that, you know, puberty happens to everyone, but it doesn't happen overnight. My kids think that's hilarious when I'm like, you're going to wake up and be a man tomorrow. And they're like, ah, that's so funny Um, because they know that's not true. Right. Um, So I always talk about it as sort of a bridge. Right. So some people are on that bridge. Some people are waiting to go across the bridge. Other people, you know, us, we're like done. Right. We have been through the puberty bridge. Um, but explaining to them that these things are going to happen at different times, um, for them, it's going to be different from their friends. It might be different from a sibling and that they're going to be kind of walking across this bridge for a few years. And so that puts, you know, parents in the position of, we're going to probably have to talk about these things from time to time. Feel free to, um, Ask me questions. Here's a book that will explain everything. Books are great. Um, sometimes people think, oh, that's just a cop out. But no, it's books are great. And kids will read them. And if you don't want it to be weird and be like, here's a book I think you should read. I did that. Um, but just leave it like on the coffee table, right? Leave it on the kitchen table. They'll read it <laughs> when if it's about this stuff. They will totally read it. And then they'll put it back exactly where you left it. Um, So, I mean, that's definitely, definitely my advice is to get a good puberty book. Um, You know, you can even look on Amazon best rated or I can, you know, give you some um, examples. Some might go to deep for you. And so you might be like, this one's not right, or these pieces are right, or I'm going to read it. Um, but it's not something I would give my child. There might be some things where you're like, this is good, but I know that these areas are where I want to go deeper. Um, and I think that's, it's really important for you to gauge because there really isn't, like, this is what you must do. This is what you must say, um, because that's going to be different, um, for everyone. And again, it's, it is more that, that feeling like we want our kids to get to be 20 years old and to be in these healthy adult sexual relationships where they feel good about themselves and they feel good about their, their partner and they feel like they can communicate well. And all of that comes from how they were talked to, not necessarily exactly what they were told. Um, and that's true with sexual education, too. I mean, kids have to learn about STDs and HIV. And it's like they really only need to know the framework of it all. Right. They don't need to know which cells the HIV virus attacks. You know, I mean, that's cool if you're a science nerd like me. (laughs) I like that stuff. Um, But they need to know. You know, how how an STD is transmitted, how it can be prevented, um, what you do if you think you have one. Right. Those are like the basic things that they need to know. Um, Which, by the way, <laughs> because
0: I know this information, because Corey told me <laughs> that everybody should know is that STDs are on the rise. Oh, yeah. And I think it's largely because parents are unwilling to speak to their kids <laughs> about it or they think that maybe STDs were a thing that we heard about when we were growing up. The STDs, like the numbers right now are kind of growing and growing yeah. and growing.
2: Yeah. there's probably a lot of reasons. We don't we don't know exactly why, but uh, sure they are going up <laughs> in Colorado. Yes. We'll say it's because of that specifically. No, but, Maybe it, one but reason. it is I mean the the largest proportion of STIs occurs in people 15 to 25. So, it is something that kids need to be taught about when they when they're younger for sure. So, oh, go
1: ahead did have a question in regards to the, the puberty aspect of course, you know that is such a, uh, a chaotic time with dealing with all the changes and, and things that everyone has to go through. but also the um, I don't necessarily use this word but potential trauma of either being really early mm-hmm. or really late in that process. So there's an added yeah. level of stress that someone is dealing with that oh my gosh, this has happened to all my friends and mm-hmm. I'm really late why isn't this to, happening to me and how do you deal with not only the, the changes that you are going through, but perhaps the added stress that you yeah. are going through with, whether it's early or on the tail end of things.
2: Yeah. There's so much stress at that age. <laughs> um,
0: the question was, how do you deal with yeah. early onset puberty, late onset puberty? Like, how do you tackle that with your kids?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where a lot of just, like, teaching your child about... Puberty in general, again, that like this will occur at all different ages. Um, this your friend is, you know, might still be really small, and you might, you know, grow and look really different from year to year. I think, you know, it's hard because part of me thinks, well, that's it's up to other parents, right, to teach their kids to be nice and to teach their kids that this is a, a you know a time when everyone's just changing and we're all going to change and and be our own, you know, different sized and different um, type of person in a few years. Um so I mean part of it is just it's just hard. I don't know that I have the right answer for that. Um but I think teaching kids that compassion and that empathy um for themselves and for others and to be that kid who sticks up for other kids if they're made fun of. Um you know, to be the kid who tells their friend not to, you can't snap bras, right? You can't, you can't be making fun of a girl's, you know, breasts and the body changes that other kids are going through and having them sort of be that advocate, um, to others. And I try and do that a lot with my kids is saying, have you ever heard someone, you know, again, anticipating that this might be something that happens or has happened, um, kind of putting it out there like that, like, you know, uh, first day of school, did anybody show up like five, eight, (laughs) you know, uh, and, you know, talking through that with them so that then they're the person in their peer group or at their school. Who's like, ah, you know, that happens, you know, some of us got bigger and some didn't. And understanding those facts of, you know, boys, especially will go through another growth spurt, like right after high school, I mean, everyone's seen that kid who like graduates, and then the next summer, you're like, "What happened?" <laughs> like you had another huge growth spurt. So um, I don't, I don't know if I have a good answer for that, but it's, it's a good question.
0: And I think sure. that. The puberty book that we have at home, and I can't remember the name right now off the top of my head, I feel like does a really good job of saying that repeatedly throughout mm-hmm. the book, that this is the typical steps, but yeah. it doesn't always happen like this. And and it may happen at nine. It may happen at 11. And, you know, I think that some of the books are really good about handling that spectrum.
2: My favorite book um, is called It's Perfectly Normal, and it's for like 10 and up. It's one of those books that many parents would be like, this is too much. Um, But it's, it's very well done. It's, it's very good. It talks about different types of relationships. It talks about consent. It talks about family. Um, It, it talks about intercourse and it's, it's very age appropriate for like this 10 to 15 year old age range. Again, read it first. (laughs) It might not be right for something you want to give or if you're not ready to have those conversations, but that's the whole thing of that book is it's perfectly normal these feelings these changes um, you know these these relationships and conversations you're having it's normal and the other relationships around you are are normal too and everyone's kind of experiencing this um, stuff so that's one book I would recommend it talks about all the puberty stuff and it talks about um, like fetal development and pregnancy and childbirth and all that but it also talks a lot about the emotional um, side and the relationship side of things too. Do you have that book? I don't have
0: that book. I have another book, which I really yeah. like too, but I'll have to get that book too. Um, because you kind of mentioned it, uh, and because I don't know and everybody in the room and how they maybe feel personally about these conversations. Um, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about the, if if you have certain familial beliefs like abstinence mm-hmm. um, that how you can educate your child but also stay true to maybe who you or what you believe as a parent I just want to kind of yeah. just touch on that 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 you can still have feelings of, or perspectives on who you want your child to be but also educate them
2: can you yeah, talk sure. about that yeah, yeah so I, th- I go, again it goes back to this idea of like we don't want to we don't want kids to feel shame about who they are. Um, you know, we know that, um, kids today are transitioning from, you know, if they want to change their gender much earlier, there's a lot of, um, you know, kids when they're little, you know, kindergarten, um, third, fourth, fifth grade who are saying that they don't feel like they're in the right um, body. So with that, you know, we have different types of relationships, lesbian, gay, bisexual, you know, all sorts of different relationships. And this generation of kids, they know this stuff before parents say anything. This is like one area that I don't think any adult ever said anything to me about different types of relationships um, ever. But kids today, they they know all the language. They know, you know, what cisgender and lesbian, and they really kind of understand what all that means. On the same, you know, path that they're learning all of these other things. Um, So I think what's really important again is not all the little details and not all the little tidbits of information, but the way that things are said. So you can say, you know, I believe or your dad and I believe that um, people should wait until they're married, if that's your belief, until they have sex. That's what we believe. You might make a different decision. If you do, here's the information that I think you should have. If you um, want to wait until you're married, that's something we really value and think is important. You know, let's talk about ways that, you know, we can help you make that possible. Um, If you decide that, that that's something that you want and then you change your mind. Let's also talk about that. So, again, it's that how do we not get kids to shut down? And if you say you should never, ever until you're married, have sex, they are never going to ask you a question. About sex, right? Even if it's asking for a friend, like in reality, <laughs> this is for a friend. They're not gonna come to you, right? Um, I got I got texts from all the kids, category. like all my kids' friends, like will message me or will ask me a question because they know that I'm not gonna shut them down. They also know that this is like what I do, <laughs> so they're like, "Oh, she seems she seems like she might actually know." Um, but it, I think it's again, it's just that. If, if you can like just any way that it, it's not going to instill guilt or shame is really key. And I can't stress that enough. It's just it's not always the exact um, words or the exact facts, but it's the way and it's the feeling and it's the intention behind it. yeah thanks I just think that that's important Mm -hmm. that that these
0: two things can live in the same space right like you can talk to your kids about things that are tough and also filter in your beliefs and and, and I think it has to do with sex but it probably also has to do with talking to your kids about drugs right like these are my these are my limits or these are the things that I'm going to require of you like you know like and
2: yeah and I started with the like kind of mentioning the LGBTQ to transgender stuff because, you know, when we, if we're talking about suicide and, you know, a population of kids that's so disproportionately affected by things like mental illness and suicide, I just read an article today, a research study about how having even just one supportive adult who knows about um, if if a child is identifying as gay or lesbian or transgender, having one adult reduces their chance of suicide tremendously. I can't remember what the number was, but it was a really important study and a really important article that shows even just being that one person. So you would hope as a parent, you know, even if you're like, oh, I don't want this for my child. Or is this just a phase? All the kids are transgender now, you know, <laughs> is a lot of what we hear, um, in, in our, in my work. Um, it's, it's important, again, to not be planting seeds that will shut a child down from you being who they trust, who they can go to, who they feel safe with. And that can be hard, right? I mean, we all want a certain path for our kids and it can be hard when that shifts, right? And when you're faced with like, I never thought I'd have to deal with this. Or, I never thought I'd have to talk about this. Or, I never thought this would be something my child would experience. Um, and it, it can be hard <laughs> to pull back and just be like, this is what it is. We're going to talk about it, and I'm going to love you no matter what. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode.
0: A special thank you to Corey Wilford for, again, sitting and chatting with me, and for Jennifer Little for having us over to Heyday for Heyday Grows, which is where this conversation took place tune in in two weeks to hear the finale of this episode and all of the other information about how to have tough conversations with your kids. Until then, you can find the show notes on www.boysbuiltbetter. Thanks so much for listening. This has been a production of
1: NOCO-FM.